Welcome to Enlightenedhood, a sacred space for mothers, mothers to be, and mothers by proxy to share how mindfulness and spirituality intertwine with one of life's biggest responsibilities, motherhood. Each week, we will gather nuggets of inspiration, empowerment, and wisdom from wild and woke mamas who are tapped into their highest selves and raising the next generation along with the consciousness of this planet. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, founder of Enlightenedhood, a community of mindful and spiritual mamas committed to personal growth and divine sisterhood through our one-of-a-kind inner work membership and spiritual magazine. Welcome. I am so grateful that you're here. Hello and welcome back. On today's episode, we are talking about something that is really the heart and soul of enlightenedhood, and that is the fact that your story matters. Your story is valid. Your story is your truth and just as important as someone else's story, no matter what the highs and lows are. And not only does your story matter, but it holds so much power in order to heal yourself, heal others, and help us grow collectively. So as I was working on the next stage of enlightenment, I actually connected with my guest today. She told me what her journey looked like and how it has led her to now, spoiler alert, helping other people tell their stories. So I said, please come on the podcast because I can't stress enough how important this is. So my guest today is L.A. Hoot, which she told me that everyone pronounces it Hut, but the real pronunciation is Hoot, the German version. And I'm sorry if I butchered that too, L.A., but she is a breakthrough coach, a brand strategist, and a storyteller on a mission to enjoy life, eat everything she can, me too, girl, and help women become their own healers. Last year, after she quit the perfect job, she got married and started traveling the world. But unfortunately, what started as a dream come true ended up being a domestically violent relationship. She literally had to run away. But that experience forced her to seek something beyond happiness, a purpose. So mixing together her passion for personal development and storytelling skills, she was able to create a new life path which was listening, empowering, and helping women rewrite their stories so they can share their talents with the world, starting with herself. Nowadays, she works remotely, travels with her 10-year-old son, and lives the meaningful lifestyle that she's craved for so long. You guys are going to absolutely love her. Please take notes of how you can tell your story, and let's make this the year where we all share all, because that's how we are going to grow together, support one another. You can't support someone if you don't know what they're going through. You can't relate to someone if you don't know what they're going through. Let's all be more connected and foster more community. But anyway, here is my guest, LA. So you decided at seven years old that you didn't want to go to mass anymore. Why is that? Well, I didn't think that it was cohesive with what they were teaching. You know, they were preaching all about love and about acceptance, but then they were giving me all of these rules that I couldn't behave this way or I couldn't do this and that. So where did the love go? And that's when I told my mom, like, I don't want to go to mass anymore. I will build my own religion. She was like, you can't build your own religion. You're just a kid. <laughs> so she told me like, okay, 
um, you don't want to go to mass anymore, but you have to do something spiritual. So I'll let you figure it out, but you have to choose something to believe in. And that's Hmm. when it started. Uh, so I started growing up and I started like researching on different religions and I actually ended up spending time with a lot of this different beliefs. So I started with the Hare Krishnas because I don't know why (laughs) I just chose them. And it was really interesting to see their way of life, um, their vision of, of their religion, you know, and, and I started noticing similitudes between their religion and the religion that I was born into, right? Mm-hmm. And that kept on going. I went to the synagogue. I went with the Christians, the, um, you name it. Like I went everywhere until I actually found yoga. That ah. was like the big breakthrough because it wasn't so much about a religion, but a lifestyle. And that's when I really became interested in actually becoming a little bit more spiritual and becoming just a, a more enlightened human being, I think. Mm. So what did that transition into spirituality versus Catholicism look like? Well, thankfully, my mom was always super open-minded and she always allowed me to do a lot of things. And, you know, um, as a kid, as you know, um, I was weird. So I think that being able to explore really gave me the tools that I needed in order to create my own way of living, my own beliefs and my own way of seeing life. So I think that's such a beautiful thing that as seven years old, she gave you that permission. Yeah, absolutely. Like, thankfully, imagine if she would have been like, no, you have to go to mass. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, I've talked to so many women on this podcast who were, their parents were so strict and they were so restricted within whatever religion their family were practicing to the point that when they got old enough to make their own decision, it was almost like they had to go crazy and shed all those layers, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that's what happens when you restrict people and you just tell them that they shouldn't question anything. Of course, they want to break free eventually. Mm -hmm. But when you give them the opportunity to actually experience things and and learn and see things in a different way, well, that's when people really have the opportunity to choose in what they believe in. So you started yoga, you started being more spiritual. At what point did this become part of your identity? Well, after my son was born, um, I actually broke up with his dad. And yoga was the thing that kept me like sane. Like really the fact that I had learned to meditate, the fact that I had learned all of these principles that were not only being used on the yoga mat, but outside of life. That's when I understood that my spiritual path was for real. Like mm-hmm. all of these tools that I have been researching and learning more from um, during all of these years, that was the first time that I really had to put them into work. How did balancing motherhood and becoming a mom, how did that change your spiritual practice? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> let's say that on the first years, it's pretty hard. Like you can be a spiritual person and you can, you know, try to meditate as much as you want, but you are exhausted on the first years and we are not 
capable of, of, you know, thinking correctly or acting correctly when we can't sleep and we can't focus on ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think all of the mothers struggle with this because on the first, I don't know, two, three years of, of our kids, it's all about them. And Mm -hmm. to the point that we forget about ourselves. So my meditation, my practice was basically attending one or two yoga classes a week. But Mm -hmm. as he grew older, I was able not only to, you know, work a little bit deeper on my spirituality, but also start spreading it to him. So I started, you know, doing mindfulness with him and teaching him about breathing work and meditation. So I really believe that it has been a big, big and impactful thing in my life, being able to discover yoga when I was uh, a mom. Did implementing mindfulness into your parenting style, did it change your relationship with your son? Oh, absolutely. Like he is as cheesy as this may sound. (laughs) He is really my favorite person and he's my support and he is everything. And he's only 10 years old. But since we have been able to build this strong relationship where I don't lie to him. I tell him things as they are, you know, the good, the bad, but I teach him, um, equanimity and, and being able to embrace it all, not only the good things has really improved our relationship. And I'm super proud of the little guy that he's becoming. (laughs) That's not cheesy. <laughs> it's really sweet. And it's just a testament to how when we implement these tools and we pass them down to our kids, what amazing gifts they can have. And they already have these tools in their toolbox. And it just gives them this amazing strength and foundation to become amazing people. Mm-hmm. And that has always been my mantra. Like, I'm not raising a kid, I am raising a future adult. So my job is to really give him the best tools I can. And in order to do that, I have to become the best version of myself first. Amen. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's amazing how many people just don't, it it doesn't click or they don't see parenting that way. So have you faced any conflict or setback or any kind of friction with other parents or people in your life who may not understand your parenting style? Oh, definitely. Like... Even my own family has judged the way that I have been raising my own son. And at first I got upset because it was like, you know, it it doesn't feel nice people commenting on the way you're doing your parenting. It's hard enough to parent for Uh you to be criticized. But at the end, I, I just stopped caring. You know, it's not my problem what they think of my parenting, especially seeing the result in my kid. I couldn't care less of people criticizing me. Mm-hmm. What's helped me the most is just knowing that any type of reaction that they have is something that's triggered within themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's still hard. It's still hard when you face criticism, especially when you're doing the most sacred job there is of being a parent. Yeah. 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 It's, it's horrible. And especially when other moms criticize you, it's like, come on, you know know how hard this is. I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) They're they're just not ready to hear it yet. I'm like, I'm just going to keep shining my light, doing what I'm doing. And when you're ready, we can talk. (laughs) Exactly. So let's talk about this most recent chapter. Tell me about what happened when you started traveling the world. 
Okay. So, well, I was at the best moment of my life. I think I had the perfect job. I had the perfect apartment. I had everything I've always wanted and everything that society always told me like, you know, happiness looked like, mm-hmm. but I felt super unfulfilled. Like there was something within me that I couldn't even pinpoint what it was. Um, so my partner at that time, uh, received, a an offer to work abroad. So I just quit my job, packed my bags, and we moved to uh, Barcelona. And Ooh. I didn't like it over there, not because, it, I mean, it's a beautiful city, but I am not in the state of partying and things like that anymore. I really wanted to find fulfillment and wanted to find purpose. And I didn't feel like that was the place. Mm-hmm. So we started traveling around Southeast Asia and it was wonderful. Like it really was for Santi it was amazing. Um, it was a, a really amazing experience for all, us all. But unfortunately my husband fell back into alcoholism. So I had to literally run away from that situation. And when I was there, devastated, had no money, knew no one, I was basically stranded on the 31st of of December. Um, I decided to do something that I would have never done before. And instead of feeling ashamed and instead of hiding, I actually shared my story on social media. And that was incredible, but literally changed my life. Not only did I get a lot of support, but women started reaching out to me and they were like, oh my God, you're so empowering. Thank you so much. That's what I needed to hear in order to get out of my own situation. Uh, so I basically discovered the, the power of, of your story and not only your story, but the way you tell your story. Mm-hmm. I wasn't playing the victim. I was just sharing my own story and I was determined to get, you know, the power back. And after that, I was able to find purpose uh, and build a career out of it. And now I am lucky enough to make that as my living. That's amazing. So why why are we not good at telling our own stories? Well, uh, it's a cultural thing. First of all, when we're kids and we start talking about ourselves, people start telling us, you shouldn't brag about yourselves. Stop talking about yourself, right? So we start thinking that talking about ourselves is bad. And then we start not sharing because then in middle school and high school, every time that you share or you're vulnerable, it means that people are going to bully you or people are going to make fun of you, et cetera. So we have been learning all of this um, mechanisms, the fastest mechanisms to not share when Mm -hmm. all we want is connection. And in order to create connection, we need to be able to share our stories, be able to, be vulnerable in front of others and to simply be yourself. And it's hard. What would you say to someone who thinks that their story isn't, it doesn't have enough trauma or enough lows to be worthy of anything? Well, that's the thing. Like people think that (laughs) a good story has to have this like critical moment or super dramatic, right? Experience. But it's not necessarily true. Like a lot of people have got breakthrough from a simple life and it's actually beautiful as well. It doesn't have to be traumatic in order to be beautiful. The important thing is that your experience is unique 
and owning that uniqueness is what matters. Mm -hmm. I've told so many women who've come on this podcast, something very similar because they're like, oh, I don't really have anything valuable to share. It's just my life. And I said, that's the point. There's so Mm -hmm. many women out there who are in search of finding someone to relate to because especially in the age of social media, we see all these Instagram influencers who look like they have the most glamorous life, but seeing ourselves in someone else and someone else who knows what we're going through and can support us is so much more powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, like in an era where everything has to be perfect, everything is Photoshop, we are all craving for authenticity. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but I've mm-hmm. erased like my contact list like seven times yep. this year because I really want to build connection. I really want to follow people that inspire me to become better or that give me value mm-hmm. of some of somehow. So daring to be yourself is the only way that you can do that. Yeah. I was actually looking at this woman on social media today and she has thousands and thousands of followers and a huge family with all these kids. And every single picture is posed and perfectly edited. And I, it's funny now that when I look on Instagram, when I look at those type of people, I wonder, I'm like, what, what shadows do they have? What are they like hiding mm-hmm. behind this perfect life? Because I tend to be drawn towards women who are much more real and raw and authentic on social media now. And you're right. We are really craving that authenticity. Yeah. And that's why I love stories because stories really give you a sense of how people live, who they are. And that's where you can really understand what they're all about. Yeah. How do, how do we even begin to kind of synthesize our own stories? Well, the first thing that you need to understand is that you need to respect your story. Okay. It's not a matter of comparing it with other people or feeling like your story is not worth it, you need to respect it and own it and embrace it. That's the first thing. The second thing is not choosing only the good sides of the story. Mm -hmm. You also have to embrace the dark sides of the story. And that could even mean things that you don't like about yourself, times that you haven't been your best self, or times that you have actually hurt other people. You have to embrace that you are that person, even if you don't like it. Mm. Um, and the third thing is changing the perspective. Instead of things happening to you, you should change your story and ask yourself, why is this happening? Mm. Instead of why is this happening to me? Take out the to me. Why is this happening? What do I need to learn from this situation? Why no, or what is this going to bring to my life? Mm-hmm. And when you change that perspective is ultra powerful. I can only imagine because it's so, so easy to fall into that victim role and mm-hmm. to use the victim sob story for attention rather than coming at it from a place of empowerment. Yeah. And especially us as women, like we've been taught that we need to be rescued and we need to be this super sensitive and almost useless person because we can't be the empowered women or we would be bossy, right? Or Mm -hmm. we would be masculine, but we have to change that within ourselves. And we have to embrace that we are actually the heroines of our own story. It's so true. And I think more and more women are starting to recognize that and share, but I think we still have a long way to go. Definitely. Like women empowerment is not about you know, putting 
girl boss and things like that. Ugh. It's really, <laughs> I know, <laughs> but let's not go down that way. Oh, no. um, but women empowerment is about embracing ourselves as a whole. Okay. We can be mothers, we can be sisters, we can be teachers, we could be everything. And it's still beautiful and it's still powerful. We don't have to limit ourselves to become what other people want us to be. We want, we have to understand how to embrace our own power and take advantage of it. And not only that, but support the power of other women, because I feel like so often we've fallen into this cycle where we're constantly taking other women's power away, whether it's through judging the way they're mothering or gossiping or whatever it is. Definitely. Like we are our worst enemies. Yep. (laughs) Oh, well, amen for sorority, amen for women's circles, you know. A lot of female energy is changing and I'm Mm -hmm. really glad that I'm a Mm -hmm. part of it. Me too. And, but you know, it's so hard to kind of have your foot on each side of it. I don't know if you feel this way because I've tried to share more of my story and even just the message of being more supportive in motherhood and why are we not supporting each other as women and mothers? And there's still people in my life who don't get it and almost see me as this really snotty stuck up person who's saying like, don't talk to me about my kids. I think it's just so frustrating that so many women still don't support one another. And it's hard to kind of be on both sides of it because I want to fully live in that world where women support women unconditionally without judgment, but I don't think we're all the way there yet. Yeah, we still have. The problem is that you can't, love or support others when you don't love and support yourself mm-hmm. and we're still like learning like self-care is is a word that we have been learning for what the last couple of three five years yeah so we still have to learn and understand that we are our priority and even as moms it's not selfish to put yourself first it's mm-hmm. actually a necessity because you are the nurturer you are the energy source. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have energy, wisdom, love, what are you going to give to your kids and to other women? It's impossible. It's so true. It's, yeah, I think it's so important to recognize that everything you have within you and everything you're emitting is being passed down to your kids. So that can be love and that can be gratitude and that can be light or it can be jealousy and judgment and tension and anger. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like we we were raised by our moms and we have a lot of their traits, unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. And they were raised by their moms. So imagine if we become the generation that actually says, stop it here. We are going to educate and pass along new and more enlightened aspects to our kids. Mm-hmm. It's, that yeah. would mean that the next generation will be better and they will be better towards their kids and their kids to their kids. But mm. we have to be the generation that makes that change. Yeah. And I think we are. It's beautiful to see. Yeah, definitely. We are the first generation who are daring to question things Mm -hmm. and daring to do things differently. So it's beautiful. And I can't wait to see more moms empowered and daring to do things their own way. 
I agree. So going back to our stories, I know, I mean, social media is a huge way to share stories, but I'm sure there's so many other ways that we can just be more vulnerable and open and sharing our journey with other women. So where are other aspects in our life where we can really show up and do that? Well, I have found that by daring to share my story, I allow other women to share theirs. Mm -hmm. So next time that you go to a meetup or you go, you know, you do some networking, instead of asking people like, hey, what do you do? Why don't you share your story and ask other people to share theirs? It's so powerful just to dare to be vulnerable. The reaction in people is incredible. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've found anything similar, but once I started being more open and vulnerable and sharing things online more, it kind of translated to my personal life as well, where I was having much more open and honest conversations with other people. And it kind of is just this really beautiful way where it touches so many aspects of your life once you commit to it and make the decision that you are going to be more open and own your story and own your power. Absolutely. And once you do that, you also start catching on your own. I'm sorry if I can't curse, but I call them your bullshit stories because we also have this story going through our mind over and over. And once you start sharing and being vulnerable, you start changing the way that you talk to yourself. And that is also super powerful. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the way our self-talk is what creates our own reality. And it's definitely one of the first and hardest things to conquer when you step into mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I always tell my customers like, yeah, you could do as many storyboards as you want. You can write as many affirmations as you want. But if you don't believe in your story, none of that is going to work. Would you agree that there's also this misconception that like once you think you know what your story is, it can't change? Like how many times have you changed? How many versions of your story have you had so far? Oh, countless. Like (laughs) (laughs) your story, this is something that I always say. Your story is not what has happened to you, but what you decide to become. Mm -hmm. And it's always changing. It's always changing and you can rewrite your story as many times as you want. All you need to do is understand and be aware of the way you're telling it. Yeah. I think it's for someone like me who has had to tell my story in order to grow a business and grow a brand. I've had to go through the work of, coming up with what that story is and changing it as it goes and adapting it. But for someone who just is using it in their everyday life, what, how do we kind of go back from the beginning and figure out what a good, like, what's a good story length? How are we supposed to tell it? (laughs) Where do we even start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, your story, as you say, like us as entrepreneurs, we have to use our story every day. But also people think that whenever they're sharing their story, they have to share this perfect and articulated version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when, to be honest, all you have to do is share your why. That's what people ah. is going to connect to. I yes. don't care about how many years you had to go abroad 
uh, to study this, or I don't care if you had the easiest upbringing. I care about why you do what you do or why you behave, how you behave. That's what makes people connect to you, not only as a brand, but also as a person. When you share your why, aka your purpose, people will engage to that, no matter if it's business, personal, mother, whatever (laughs) you want Mm -hmm. to share your story for. Sharing Mm -hmm. your why is your superpower. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. And it's so funny you say that because when I first started in Enlightenhood, the more I was collecting stories of mothers who were mindful and spiritual, they all had this why. And so I thought I was an absolute genius being like, we all have our why. And then I realized that every other person also discovered this one catalyst, really important thing in storytelling. But it it really is so powerful and it's just beautiful to see, especially not even in our own stories, but just motherhood journeys in general. We, we too all have that why of why we decided to be a mindful mother or a spiritual mother. And it's just been such a beautiful thing to get to meet all those women and hear all the different whys. Mm-hmm. And at the end, why is why we do everything, right? Mm-hmm. As mothers, our why is our kids and the way we want them to live their lives. It's so true. And I mean, I know for so many of us, our why is our kids. And, but there's so many different versions of that because your why could be your kid, but you couldn't, you could not be approaching it mindfully, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, we are going to want to teach them what we couldn't have for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's natural. But when you don't lose, the fact that you want them to become their own version of themselves and not your version of them. Mm -hmm. That's when real like enlightened motherhood or conscious motherhood is respecting the human beings that they are and just Mm -hmm. provide them with the tools that they need, not what you want them to become. And letting them discover their own story and what that is. Yeah, definitely. Just... Be there for them. That's all you need to do and give them the best resources that you have. Uh, So I love asking this question and I always ask it to women who are helping others own their power. How has empowering other people empowered you? Oh my God. I feel so empowered every single day when I like, I have the blessing to have a job where they pay me to empower women. So (laughs) Every time that I help a person own their story, it just reflects on me. And I learn so many things from all the women that I've helped because we are mirrors, right? Mm -hmm. And every single time that we help another one of us, we are helping ourselves. So by helping them, I am helping myself. And that is making me a better version of myself. Yeah, I was listening to... um... Shivali Sabari, who is on Marie Forleo's podcast. Mm-hmm. And she was saying how as much as she loves the whole idea of conscious parenting and helping others, she's really just doing it for herself. Mm-hmm. And it's her accountability partner to show up and be the best her and the best parent that she can be. And I think for many of us, that's so true. Like we're really doing this to help ourselves and to empower ourselves and also to help an older version of ourselves that we needed. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
And I always say that if my, if telling my story is going to help others or is going to bring value, then it's worth sharing. And the same thing happens to every single woman out there. Mm -hmm. Your story, you have no idea the potential your story has got. You don't know if your story is going to trigger another woman to take action, or you don't know if your story is exactly what uh, another mother needed to hear for Mm -hmm. her not to feel like an outcast. So share your story because it's way more powerful, not only for you, to heal and to grow, but also for other women to embrace their own story. I, I mean, the main reason I created this platform is because I had no, I had no motherhood stories to relate to. I knew Mm -hmm. nothing about postpartum. I only saw a few of my peers becoming mothers and I really needed something like this to know just what to expect and to know that it was all okay and to give myself grace and that there was something to relate to because postpartum is not easy so I (laughs) I made a vow that I was gonna be more open and vulnerable about my postpartum journey because I saw no one doing that and I think if I would have known more I could have been more prepared more empowered more felt less like I was having this crazy unique experience which I think I still did but (laughs) at Mm -hmm. least feel some kind of support. Yeah. I don't know why us women have this like secret vow that we can't share things as they really are. And, (laughs) and it's crazy. Like the same thing happened to me. Like I knew no one that told me that breastfeeding hurt like hell, for instance, (laughs) no one told me that, or no one told me that I wasn't going to be myself for the first year right? That my kid was um, a newborn, things Mm -hmm. like that. And the postpartum, yeah. Like they wouldn't even dare to tell me that I was going to cry out of the blue and I wasn't going to feel like myself. No one tells you that. Mm -hmm. And it's horrible because not only do you feel like you're a bad mom, you feel isolated and Mm -hmm. you feel like you're doing something wrong when you're not doing something wrong. Every single woman is experiencing exactly the same. They're just not willing to share. So I really applaud you for doing that because we need more honest motherhood uh, information out there. It's so true. And what makes me even more mad is, okay, the fact that you didn't say anything. Okay, I forgive you. But the fact that you didn't say anything and then you're just going to leave me over here by myself without checking in or anything, you know, Mm -hmm. there's two parts to it. Huh, yeah, we need, yeah, I completely agree. We need more honest mothers. So I'm doing the best I can to try to support new moms, be there for other moms and just be real about motherhood because it's not, it's one of the most beautiful things. It's one of the biggest, most biggest and sacred life responsibilities, but it is also one of the hardest, most difficult shitty things <laughs> yeah <well. laughs> and it's okay to say it like yep. sometimes like even us as moms sometimes we don't dare to say ah oh, my kid my kid is driving me crazy right mm-hmm. why not like we are human beings we feel things and it doesn't mean that you're a horrible mother of course you love mm-hmm. your son you love your kid it's just that you are human embrace the fact that you're not this super perfect being that can't afford to have feelings or share vulnerability or share the truth 
Mm-hmm. No one cares. Mm-hmm. I think it's what we do with that, what we do with those feelings and how we deal with them and how we use them for good rather than, I mean, going full circle, playing the victim card. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or worse, not saying anything and just swallowing and swallowing and swallowing and mm-hmm. eventually you'll blow up. Yeah. Blowing up isn't good. <laughs> no, especially not because your kids, like, what are they going to learn from a mom that is not expressive, that is not willing to change and who's not willing to improve, right? What example are you setting for your own kids? Do you want them to be miserable or do you want them to face adversities in the best way and be honest and be authentic? What message do you want to give them? Mm-hmm. It all goes back to doing it for our kids and setting a good example because when we're the best us, we radiate other, we radiate to others to be the best them, even if it's our kids. Exactly. So you have to be selfish in order to share. <laughs> yeah. You have to be selfish in order to be unselfish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what kind of mindfulness practices do you have on a daily basis to help keep you aligned and in tune with yourself so you can show up and be the best mom possible? Oh, okay. I love this question. Um, first of all, journaling. I love journaling. I think it's really important not only to just pour your heart out, writing everything that goes through your mind, but also going back and being able to um, notice how you were feeling on how you were dealing with some things like a, a week ago. It really brings a sense of awareness of of who you are and who you want to be. That's the first one. Uh, meditating, of course. I always mm-hmm. meditate. Um, I try to meditate every single day in the morning, but you know, sometimes things happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to run up. <laughs> and um, uh, my favorite one is the gratefulness exercise. Every mm-hmm. single day before I close my eyes, I say to myself the three things I'm grateful for today mm-hmm. and being grateful just brings in so many benefits not only for your awareness not only for um, your kids but also it creates space for new things to come into your life mm-hmm. yeah so. it, it not only creates that lens of looking at things from a place of love and gratitude and empowerment but it also is law of attraction 101 Mm-hmm. Like you put out what you get or you get yeah. what you get what you put out <laughs> and it's easy right. it's easy to get like lost in you know everyday life and the craziness of traffic and instagram and motherhood but that exercise itself really helps me at least align with who i want to be what i want and mm-hmm. why especially my wife. Yeah. And dwelling on things you don't have is also a form of playing victim. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to change that victim mentality. Like that's the first key to transform your life. Yeah. It's so, it's easier said than done, especially if it's so deep rooted in you and you've been doing it all your life and had what you think are positive things come from it. Mm-hmm. It's an, it's an everyday practice, definitely. And for some people it's easier like than others. And some people 
get this after a life-changing experience, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can just make the decision to transform the way you're telling your story. And every time that you say, oh no, why is this happening to me? You say, oh, I'm doing it again. I'm playing the victim. I need Mm -hmm. to change that. Yeah. So, And then do you find that eventually it just becomes the norm and the habit, right? Yeah, as any other habit, of course, for the first 21st days, it's going to be hard. But afterwards, it will just feel natural. Do you find that when you're working with your clients, that's about the average time that it takes to kind of transform into that different uh, framework of thinking? Every person is different, but if you consistently do it for 21 days, I can assure you that it will become a habit. Challenge for anyone listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The thing is consistency as anything in life. Definitely. And I think, I mean, that's what mindfulness is, is consistency every single day. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a powerful why. If you give your why to someone Mm -hmm. outside, then eventually you're giving your, you're not going to make it because you're giving your power to someone else. But when you become your own, why you're doing what you're doing, that's when you will really step out of bed, even if you don't want to, because you are your priority and you love yourself so much that you're willing to transform for you. Mm, That's beautiful. When you, yeah, when you love yourself so much that you're willing to show up every day for you. Mm-hmm. And that's such a hard thing to accept as moms too, because we show up every day for our kids. Mm-hmm. But eventually they will grow and they will go out, you know, go off to college and forget all about us. Oh, so. don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, like they will get on with their lives. Like it's, know. it's something that we have to prepare and, and who's going to take care of us right? We Mm -hmm. spend all of this time and energy on them and who is spending all of that time and energy on ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And to have just have fill our own cup first, really. Yeah. Yeah. That should be our main like rule. You can't give unless you have your full cup. Mm. I like that. That's a very easy thing to picture. Mm Mm-hmm especially for people who are more visual (laughs) and need like a simple thing to remind themselves every day. Exactly. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on this podcast. (laughs) No, thank you for having me. It's like really awesome to come across moms, empowering moms. It's amazing. Like I can't be happier to be here. I always like to end this podcast with words of encouragement for moms, empowering moms, for any mom listening out there who might need to pick me up to her day or really needs that extra encouragement today to own her story and be more vulnerable. So what are your wise words to end on? Okay. Well, for anyone who needs this, stop comparing yourself to others and simply embrace the fact that you are you and that is your superpower. (laughs) 
thank you for listening to Enlightenhood. For more wisdom from spiritual mamas like you in the form of guided meditations, videos, articles, masterclasses, and more, check us out at enlightenhood.com or connect with us on Instagram at Enlightenhood. If you need a tribe of like-minded women to dive into personal and spiritual development with, check out our monthly membership where we show up, go inward, and upward together. Enroll today at enlightenhood.com backslash membership for less than the cost of a yoga class. Until next time, you mindful mamas. Thank you.